Greetings, Embers. Welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I would like to give a special thank you to the reformed members of the channel. Tina Mead, Seven, Luz, Crispin, Tammy Slayton, CAG, Denise S, Through Scrutiny, Samantha Play, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norman DW, Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, both of those links are down below. Also, if you are new here and like what you are hearing, or you have been here and not done so yet, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel out, but it also reminds you of every time I upload a video. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab your snacks, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Creepy Encounters. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that, there will be no more ads within this video. So, this happened to me about a year ago. I had just shifted to a new city for work. I was 23 at that time and living alone. On that particular day, I was working from home, and I heard a knock on the door. I was preoccupied with something and opened the door without checking the keyhole. There was a Sikh man at the door. Sikhism is a religion in India, and people who belong to this religion wear a turban. He told me that he was collecting donations for Langar. Langar is a community kitchen of a guru dwar, a place of worship of Sikhs where people are fed, irrespective of their case, economy, status, religion, etc. I decided to donate some money, and as I was reaching for my purse, he told me that he has something to say. He then went on to guess my parents' name, the exam that I was preparing for, and many such information that was not available on social media, and only someone who was close to me would know. At this point, I started to freak out and wanted to get rid of him, and he could sense that I was freaking out. I kept telling me to not be scared and to maintain eye contact. This went on for a good 10 to 15 minutes, and then he told me to donate 7,000 rubies, and I will be blessed with good fortune. I told him I could not pay that amount, but he was insistent, but I was firm with my decision. Then he asked me to give at least 500 rupees. I gave him the money because I wanted to get rid of him. This incident really creeped me out. I still don't know how he got all that information. I was new to the city, so nobody from the city knew any of that information. I later found out from a friend that in Sikhism, they do not go door to door to collect money. And if people want to donate money, they have to directly donate it to the Guru Dara. So basically, this guy was a con artist dressed as a Sikh person. But how he knew so much about me is still beyond my comprehension. One late night at around 3 a.m., I was sitting at home on my PC watching movies, playing games, etc. When I noticed, I'm out of cigarettes. The only thing that works late at night is our local gas station, not too far from my home, but still, it's easier to go in the car. I took my car keys and locked my house, and I went to the gas station. I live in a small European country, which is the most safe country on the planet. Still, that doesn't mean that some bad things don't happen here and there. When you exit from a suburban area where I live, you need to take a right so you can take the main road. After that, you just go straight for about half a kilometer and then go left for another half kilometer to get to this gas station. Halfway there, I noticed some girl on the sidewalk. I'm usually a slow driver at night because at that time a lot of people would speed and go on red during the nighttime, walking faster than usual. It looked like she was panicked, and I noticed two guys behind her who were like 10 feet away, maybe less, pointing at her and doing some hand gestures towards her. 
They gave me a really creepy vibe. As I was getting close to the girl, I noticed she had a scary looking face like she was about to cry but didn't. So I pulled over close to her and said very quietly, Are you in trouble? And she just looked at me and nodded with her head. I told her to get in the car and she did. I told her I'm going to the gas station to get some cigarettes but I will take her home as soon as I finish buying my smokes. She thanked me for like the hundredth time. I asked if she wanted to go file a report with the police but she said no, please take me home. I went to the gas station and bought my cigarettes and a bottle of water for her. She was clearly in fear. I took her home after that. We passed the same street where those two guys followed her, but those guys were nowhere to be seen. It still haunts me to this day to think what would have happened if I had not run out for cigarettes that night. About three years ago, when I was 18, I worked as a waiter in a restaurant in the mall. I am very introverted, but it never affected my relationship with my customers. But speaking to people I wasn't serving gave me major butterflies. I had just finished my shift at around 1700 and was walking out when I noticed a woman who looked in pain holding her stomach while looking at me. I had to walk past her to go to the exit and I was trying to avoid her because I was not looking for conversation and I hated when people ask for money. I know it is selfish, but I worked really hard for the little money that the customers tipped me that day. I maneuvered my way around the people, but she called out to me. I acted like I didn't hear her and I started to move faster. Eventually, she ran to me and grabbed my arm, crying. Please, please, brother. I got children and I got cancer of the tummy. She lifted up her dirty shirt and showed me a large surgery wound across her stomach. I told her I didn't have anything, but she continued to badger me. Eventually, I just ran to the stairs and went upstairs and saw her chasing, but I was way more faster. She slowed down at the second case to catch her breath, and I turned in to get off at the third floor, where she could not have seen me. I took the elevator next to the stairs back to the first floor so I could get to the exit. Eventually, I got to the bus stop and was on my way home. When I got off at my stop, I went to the corner shop to get bread. At the end of the road, I saw the woman from the mall and her boyfriend. They must have definitely seen me, even though I made an effort to take a longer way home so they wouldn't have seen me. Around 1900, I get a knock at my gate. I live in a house that has two slide gates in front of the main entrance. I looked out of the window, and to my horror, I saw the woman and her boyfriend. I stayed quiet and hoped they'd just go away, but they stayed outside my house for two hours until my parents arrived they begged my parents for money or food to feed their kids my father found it weird that they were there at 2100 hours so he told them we didn't have anything and to get away from the house before they called the police surprisingly they left without any hassle i told my parents that these people were begging me for money at the mall and that they followed me home and stayed outside the house for two hours. We never saw them again after that day. I used to be an assistant martial arts teacher at a school that taught kids aged 5 to 18. It was located on a military base, so we had a variety of students who had traveled around the world and had experienced more than most kids their age. Different personalities, open minds, and a willingness to learn were common traits among the children. There was one little girl who possessed a completely different trait. I was a 20-year-old at the time, and this girl, let's just call her Olivia, was around 10 years old. She had black hair 
a fair complexion, and was always smiling. She became quite attached to me and always found ways to get my attention. Sometimes she would run up to me, playfully hit me, and then run away giggling. Other times she would misbehave in class out of spite just to gain my attention. Overall, she seemed like a normal young girl, discovering herself and the world around her. That's what anyone would assume. However, one day I noticed that Olivia began acting strangely, unlike her usual self. She appeared heartbroken about something, looking tired yet antsy and nervous. I asked her if she was okay, but she simply replied with a, yeah, and didn't elaborate. I would have raised my concerns with her parents, but they were never present. As the days went by, Olivia continued to appear downcast and sad. Then, one afternoon after class, she ran up to me with her familiar smile on her face, the one that always made me smile too. She handed me a folded piece of paper. <laughs> what is this? I asked, starting to unfold it. <laughs> I drew it for you, Olivia said with a smile giggling. As soon as I saw what she had drawn, shock instantly coursed through me, leaving me at a loss for words. A chill ran up my spine and my hands trembled. It was a crude drawing of me dressed in my martial arts uniform, with Olivia depicted stabbing me with a kitchen knife. Multiple stab wounds on my body were oozing blood, which also covered Olivia and the knife she held. Strangely, both of us were smiling and in the drawing. It's me killing you, <laughs> Olivia exclaimed, laughing. I quickly folded up the drawing and returned it to her. Um, thank you, Olivia, but you can keep it, I said, my voice flat, still in a state of shock. I didn't see her after that afternoon. She had quit the class. Deep down, I felt relieved that she had decided to quit. Even though Olivia had left, her impact remained. I was left grappling with unease that refused to subside. The image of her drawing was etched into my mind, an eerie reminder of the complex emotions children can harbor. I don't know where Olivia may be in life now. She would be the age I was at the time she handed me that drawing. I hope she's a healthy young woman, mentally sound and living a good life. I only hope that the drawing was a single occurrence with Olivia and no one else had to experience such a disturbing situation like I did that afternoon. So this happened about 11 years ago when I was about 16. Those days after school let out, my grandparents would drop me off at the local youth center. It was a very small old building on a rundown street. Right next to the youth center, there was a bar. I had been told time and time again to never play around outside. Since the area was rough, anything could happen. Now, for a little extra context, a youth center receptionist and guide sat at a desk and watched over everyone. Also, they had a camera system mounted on a wall inside to ensure visitors in the area, especially the front, were safe. One day, there was four of us at the center. We were all doing our own thing, working on homework, reading, playing games, etc. Kyle, a friend I had made at the center, stopped by. Now, Kyle was a grade above me, nice enough too, but he was a little bossy. Anyway, he grew bored sitting with us and said he wanted some air, pressuring. Come on, are you seriously scared? At this time, it was getting dark out. I could see the sky going black from the front window. For some reason, we still followed him outside. I remember trailing him across the street to a big dirt lot full of debris. We all huddled together, laughing and dancing and just goofing off. That is, until we saw a strange man waddling down the empty street towards us. 
He was about 30, had tousled neck-length brown hair, was skinny, pale, dressed in a dirty hoodie and jeans. He was smiling a lot, like creeper-level smile. Hey, hey, he rasped. You kids having fun? Kyle was unfazed, cheerfully answered with a, duh. The rest of us were quiet, put off by the man's arrival. Want to come hang with me? This moment stays with me because I remember getting a bad feeling in my stomach, like I knew he could hurt us. And then the man tucked a hand into his hoodie, slow, deliberate. Kyle and I started making a bunch of noise, and we all booked it back across the street. I heard the man's hyena shriek laughter as we all ran into the center. I'm forever grateful we got out of that situation safe. After that scare, I continued to visit the center. Never mention this incident to my family. But I was much more careful staying indoors. Always trust your gut. Okay, so just to preface this. This was a Friday the 27th and my friend and I had smoked cannabis before going out to eat and catch a movie. So my friend and I are in line at BK and started to decide if we want to split a meal or get separate meals. My friend orders her food and when I get to order, I get straight up asked if we had smoked weed. My first thought and question was, is it that noticeable? Now, I could barely hear this guy because he was speaking low, but was asking about a certain strain that I could really care less about. But it gets to the point where he tells me how much I could get it for, a certain price point, which I said I would keep in mind. Now, my friend and I didn't spray on any perfume or body spray, cologne, whatever. We normally do, but just completely forgot to. I get to the table my friend picked out and I start telling her about what just happened. Not even a minute after I sit down, this guy came over and passed me a folded up napkin of this weed to sample. Now my friend and I are just shocked and talking about this. I ended up putting the napkin in my bra because it was the only place I could. I had no pockets. This guy ends up coming to our table three to four more times within the span of 15 to 20 minutes. When I went up to get my food before these other encounters occurred, this guy had let me know that he got off at 7.30 p.m. and asked if he wanted to hang out. I straight up said that my friend and I were on a date and were going to a movie straight after this. After I got my food, this guy stopped by our table to ask what movies were playing, what his name was, I don't remember what he said, just that it has something to do with California State Bird. And the other times, I can't remember why he came over. He just spoke to me and not my friend, and I could tell this guy was trying to get some information on me. Now, I'm a very private person, and also a very cautious one too. I could tell this guy was trying something, and I acted dumb, even though I knew what was going on. My friend had noticed that after the last time he came over, that this guy was staring at me any time he passed by. I could tell he was staring at me because of the windows that made a reflection, because my back was to him. It got to a point where I told my friend we need to hurry up, because this is making me super uncomfortable. So we finished quickly and left. Now my friend and I did originally go to the movie theater, but decided to watch a movie at home because of how busy it was. When we decided to watch the movie at my place, we tried to hurry and leave because of the time, and that guy was going to be getting off work any minute now. I don't think I'll be going to be gay anytime soon because my hair color is blue. It's very noticeable, and not many people have that color in my town. Plus, it's a smallish town. I hope to never meet this guy again, and if I do, I may have to have a backbone, especially if he acts like he did that time. Not a very interesting story, and also trying to tell this days later doesn't help, but 
That's my creepy encounter. This happened about four years ago. I had just graduated from high school and was a month and a half into summer break. Needing money for college, I began working full-time for the school district I had just graduated from. Due to a music festival I wanted to attend as well as monetary concerns, I did not go with my family to North Carolina, which was fine by me. What 18-year-old doesn't want a house to themselves for a week? Furthermore, my parents' house is out in the country, so I had little to no fear about my neighbors complaining about parties or being bothered in any way whatsoever. But I was wrong. I often take the back roads home from my friend's house, but on that night I decided I wanted some McDonald's, so I took the main drag and came home on a different route. This way takes you past a mechanic shop not a mile away from our cul-de-sac. It was between midnight and 1 a.m., and as I passed the mechanic shop, I noticed a car's lights turning on, or should I say light, for this car had only one headlight working. I remember thinking that it was strange that this car all of a sudden turned its lights on as I was passing and began to become even more concerned when it pulled out behind me. But I tend to be paranoid by nature, nothing serious, but I always question if the person behind me is following me and whether they mean me harm. So I brushed this off as an unfortunate coincidence. But as I neared my street and the car was still tailing me, I started to become really freaked out. I looked at my gas tank and my heart sunk as I saw I was on E. Either I pull onto my street and go home, or I risk driving around some and seeing if this dude follows. Yet that option held the risk of my car running out of gas and leaving me stranded on the road. And I figured I'd rather take my chances on my own soil than on the side of some dark and lonely country back road. So I turned onto my street, only to have my heart sink when the one headlamped car makes the turn right behind me. At this point, I know I'm screwed. With nothing left to do, I begin pulling up into my driveway. It's a hill about a 100 yards long. To my utter horror, they began to follow me up. Looking back, I should have called the cops, but there is no love lost between law enforcement and myself, and at the time, I was too caught up to even consider calling them. If my family would have been home, this never would have happened. I could have called my dad and he could have grabbed his gun, but he along with the rest of my family were gone, 12 hours away at the beach. So when they began to drive up my driveway after me, I stopped and put my car in reverse. They responded my reversing as well, yet they stopped at the bottom, effectively blocking my driveway. At this point, I pulled forward again, only to have the same jig and dance happen. They followed. I reversed. They reversed and sat at the end, blocking my escape. I quickly pulled up and turned my car around to come at them head on. By this time, they were halfway up my driveway, the furthest they had come up. Looking back, I was terrified, alone, and angry. Who did this person think they were? With my brights on and shining right into their face, I opened my car door and got out. I pulled out my pocket knife and grasped it in my left hand while I grabbed my hammer in my right. I used to keep one in between my seat and door. In some weird, desperate mindset, I made a split-second decision to grab the hammer from the head with the handle sticking out. My hope was that it would be mistaken as a gun. I began yelling and pointing my hammer slash gun at the car, screaming at them to get the fuck out. And what do you want, you motherfucker? All the while, I had my hammer as a gun and prayed they would fall for it. Whether they did or not, I cannot say. 
Part of me believes they thought it was a gun due to my brights being behind me, making my whole front side a shadow. Yet they could have just probably not wanted a fight. Perhaps they thought I was a girl or was timid and wouldn't reset so aggressively and violently. Who knows, but it worked. They slowly backed out of my driveway and crept around the cul-de-sac. As they were leaving my street, I ran after them, hiding behind my neighbor's houses. And at every driveway, the car would slow down to a near stop, as if scoping out the houses. Thankfully, they didn't pull into any more driveways, and they turned off the street altogether. After I was safely in my house, I ate my McDonald's by the front window with all the lights turned off, waiting to see if they'd come creeping back. Thankfully, they didn't, but that night I locked every door in the house, which I always did anyways, and slept with a hammer, machete, and a baseball bat next to me, and my pocket knife under the pillow. Complete overkill, I know, but I was terrified. Now I know where my dad keeps his gun, so if it ever happens again, I'll be better prepared. Regardless, though, whoever the hell that was in that single headlighted car, I hope I don't run into them again. So, I recently moved into an apartment, and there is a grocery store just opposite to the apartment where I shop often. One day, I was waiting to cross the road to go to the grocery store, when this guy on a bike kept staring at me. He then turned his bike and parked it near the store, and kept looking in my direction. I didn't really think much of it and crossed the road, and then my eyes locked with his and he gave a very creepy smile. I don't really know how to describe the smile, but it was pure evil, like a predator looking at prey, and it certainly did send a chill down my spine. His face and that smile was something that stayed with me for a few days, despite the fact that this was obviously not the first time that a guy looked at me in a creepy way. After a few days, I went back to that grocery store, and after shopping, I was trying to cross the road, when all of a sudden, the same guy popped out of nowhere, and he followed me up to the entrance of my apartment, and kept looking at me until I entered the elevator. So now this guy knows where I live, and he probably lives nearby, and has his eyes on me. This makes me feel very uncomfortable. I am also worried that he is noting when I leave my home. I have a pretty set routine where I go to for my dance classes on Saturday and Sunday on a set time and I am kind of worried that he is noting this as well. At this point he, one, knows where I live, two, has followed me twice, three, he is very creepy and looks like he has bad intentions and has actual intent to do some harm. Maybe I'm overreacting, but I have a very bad feeling about this guy, and he has not really done anything to file a police complaint or anything. I just really don't know what to do. This happened to me a few years ago probably back in 2017 when I was 14 years of age. I still think about this encounter almost every day. My dad lives near a small lake in Wisconsin. There are only about 100 people who live in the neighborhood. My brother and I spent every other weekend up there, so we knew pretty much everyone. My dad's house was the second house to the top of this large hill. At the very top is a gas station and the diner where I would work over the summer. At the bottom of the hill was the lake and a small beach. That morning, I was waitressing at the diner, and at the end of my shift, I bought a slushie from the gas station and was planning on going down to the beach for the afternoon. Parked outside the diner was a gorgeous teal vintage car. I'm not sure what brand. I'm not good with that stuff, but it seemed to be from the 60s and it caught my eye. 
There was an older man in the driver's seat and his wife in the passenger seat. They had their windows up and I wasn't too close, so I didn't get a good look at them. But I didn't notice they were looking at me. I didn't think anything of it and started walking home. On my walk home, I remember wondering where they could be from. We don't get many tourists, and I would have remembered if someone drove a car like that. The diner was off of a pretty quiet highway, and it was rarely used by out-of-towners, but I assumed they were just driving through. My younger brother and I went to the beach that afternoon and hung out for a few hours. When we decided to head home, I packed up my stuff, probably a minute before he did, and started walking home before him. On the walk up the hill, there was probably half a city block distance between us. He could clearly see me, but we were too far to talk. I heard a car coming towards me and looked back and moved to the side of the street. It's the car I saw earlier at the diner. They slow down as they approach me, and I start to get nervous. The woman in the passenger seat rolls her window down, and I nearly shit my pants. They both seem to be wearing hyper-realistic latex face masks. There seemed to be no beginning and no end to the mask. There weren't noticeable holes for eyes, yet their eyes definitely seemed real, and there was no seam at the edge of the neck. If they were wearing masks, they were some of the best masks I had ever seen and must have cost a fortune, but it definitely wasn't their skin. There's no way. Something about them was so... off. The woman asked me for directions to a highway I've never heard of. I didn't drive yet, so this in itself wasn't weird, but I pointed them to the highway by the diner that leads out of town. They thanked me, rolled up the window, and drove away. I ran to my brother and told him what had happened, and he said they looked pretty normal when they drove past him, but they looked normal to me that morning as well. The masks were too good. You had to be close enough to notice how strange they looked. There was just something so unsettling about them. They didn't really do anything odd except asking a girl who was clearly too young to drive for directions. But it was a very small community. I might have been the first person they had seen in hours. It was just the way they looked. I'd never seen anything like it, and I haven't seen anything like it since then. I mentioned it to my dad when I got home, but he didn't have much to say about it. I still feel deeply unnerved when I think about it, more than six years later. I don't believe in much of the paranormal stuff, and I do think they were human. But why the masks? What were they doing there? And why ask a child who was obviously too young to drive for directions to a highway? Has anyone else ever experienced something like this before? I live with my partner of 10 years in my house. We live in towards the end of a cul-de-sac and are surrounded by woods, but the road itself is residential enough. Recently, she got up at around 3 a.m. because she couldn't sleep and came downstairs to the living room. At some point, she saw someone outside sticking a GoPro up to the window. She freaked out and ran upstairs where we called the police. We thought someone was casing the house or trying to actively break in. The cops came and looked around and went. We have an in-law apartment above the garage where, for the past couple of years, I've rented out to my best friend for the past 20 years. He's really weird, a bit off, perhaps on the spectrum, and due to the closeness of mine and his relationship, I know he's very open-minded about a lot of stuff, generally speaking and sexually speaking. He's pretty much a sex addict, his words. Okay, so I thought maybe it was him, but I tossed it out of my mind because even that was too weird. Well, it turned out to be him. 
He admitted it a couple days later, after feeling guilty and seeing how terrified we were, thinking someone was trying to break in. But not after we told the entire world what happened. So now my relationship with him is ruined. We're kicking him out. I feel bad because he was literally one of two of my best friends. But I also felt so violated. I trusted him, and he spies on me? For some unknown perverted purpose? Also, I'm pretty forgiving, and if I were single, I'd let it slide. But I'm not, and my partner is totally not accepting of this deviant behavior. In fact, he's lucky she didn't go to the police or something. Again, which is only because he is my friend. He expects we can remain friends. I have to respect my partner, and quite frankly, myself. Plus, now we had to tell everyone we told initially the update, because we don't want them thinking we're currently still in danger of being robbed or whatever. So, now everyone knows. I don't want to be associated with someone who is a creep like that, regardless of being his best friend for 20 years. I'm curious as to everyone else's thoughts. What would you do if you found a very good friend creeping around your house trying to watch you? I don't know, sleep, masturbate, do whatever, I don't know. I don't believe he's harmful, but he's had psychotic episodes in the past. He's had hallucinations at a point in life where he was very stressed. A neighbor that I was talking to said another neighbor said they had someone looking in their windows one night. But I haven't been able to confirm this, and he vehemently denies this was him. Which I believe him, but I'm gullible as shit, and of course, you deny it. But again, I haven't confirmed this. It's through the grapevine, though they supposedly got a picture. I feel bad ending the friendship, but it's not practical to continue, and I just want to move on. Another thing is, I know he's had feelings for me. But, on the other hand, he seems to be interested in everyone and anyone, so I never really took those feelings too seriously. Not that I don't believe they're real. He's just so odd as a whole. So, at first, I thought it was just about me. He definitely wanted to watch me, not my partner. And I do believe that is true. But then, when a neighbor might have seen someone at their window, too... That's a whole new level. I don't know what I'm going for here, so I'll end this now. But this is weird, unacceptable behavior, right? I shouldn't feel guilty if I do want to end the friendship. Would anyone still be friends if this happened to them? Am I a weirdo for even thinking I could still be friends with him? Assuming my partner doesn't exist and I didn't tell my entire family about what happened and who it was. I don't know. What are your thoughts? For context, I am a sophomore in college in a house full of four girls, including myself. We live in the student housing sector and went all out for Halloween decorations. Girly ones at that. We live facing towards the main street of the neighborhood, and our backyard has a bunch of trees and bushes. There's a little trail to the back door, but it is in a weird place and is away from the main sidewalk. In terms of our actual house, there is a rather large window on our back door, and we didn't have any window coverings. So it was clear as day to see into our whole bottom floor when looking through it. I know we should have covered it up sooner, but we didn't think this was going to be an urgent matter. One night, my roommate and I were watching a movie and both fell asleep on the couch. I never sleep on that couch and neither does she. It's super uncomfortable. In fact, we both woke up at separate times this night and just decided to stay on the couch rather than walking the ten steps to our room. Looking back, I feel that it was just a little intuition we had, or even a guardian angel. We also had fallen asleep with almost every light imaginable on, 
so anyone peering through any window could see us on the couch, clearly, and all of our girly decor. It was about five in the morning, and I get woken up by my roommate shaking me, saying, B, get up. B, get up. There's someone trying to get in. I instantly shoot up, see her terrified face looking at the back door, then instantly turning my head. I am literally getting chills just writing this. I see a man standing with a hoodie on, holding a flashlight, trying to pick our lock. I can still remember the scratching noise he made with whatever he was using. It definitely wasn't the sound of keys jingling, more of a thin wire against a metal sound. As we were both staring at him, at this point frozen in fear, he stopped. All three of us were just looking at each other for about a minute when he slowly backed away from the door. My first instinct was to run to the door and make sure it was locked. I have never been so scared walking up to a door and I never want to feel like that again. We quickly called the police and some friends in the area. The police came about 45 minutes later and just told us to call if anything else happens. They said it could be a drunk college student or a person with bad intentions, but we will never know. I still get a sick feeling thinking about it and hope that it was a drunk mistake, but something tells me it was not. We quickly installed more cameras, door and window stoppers, and covers for every part of the house. Three weeks later, we had a break-in, but that's a story for another time. Interested in hearing people's thoughts about this specific encounter. For context, this happened to me years ago, when I was about 13, maybe 14. I grew up in a small to mid-sized city in the West, pretty safe, in a quiet middle-class neighborhood. This was back when I still bought into organized religion, and I was going to an overnight lock-in at the church gym. For the non-Christian kids who aren't familiar, it's basically a huge Jesus-focused sleepover for teens. The church was only maybe a 10-12 to minute walk from my house, and the quickest way to get there was to cut across a park right next to the elementary school. This was the early 2000s, so I definitely grew up in the age of stranger danger and teaching girls to always be vigilant. On the other hand, I was walking a short distance through my own neighborhood to the church, and I was very responsible for my age. I was an oldest daughter, always the babysitter, and my parents had okayed me walking by myself and would drop by with my sleeping bag and pillow after they picked up my little brother from practice. I was running a little late, so the sun was just setting as I approached the park. As I crunched my way across the grass next to the tennis courts, I noticed movement out of the corner of my eye. Turning my head, I saw a figure, clearly a man, dressed in dark clothing and leaning against the brick wall of the school. He was kind of tucked into an alcove formed where the building met the fence around the playground out of sight from the road. The man was just standing outside the halo of light from the lamp above a nearby door. The man was just lounging in the crux of the wall and the fence. What initially caught my eye was the flicker of the lit cigarette in his mouth. It was too dark to see his features, but I could tell as I noticed him that he was already watching me. He was a fair distance away across the grass but it was just open space between us. I couldn't see his eyes, but I could feel them on me. I felt that uneasy tingle creep down my spine. I suddenly realized that I was alone in the growing dark, and here was some unknown man tracking me with eyes I couldn't make out. Instead of continuing to cut diagonally across the park, I veered right toward the sidewalk and the street so that I wouldn't come too close to him. I walked a little faster, trying to shake off my uneasiness, telling myself, you're just being silly. The first time I glanced back, 
He hadn't moved, though I could still feel him watching me. As I left the grass of the park and approached the street corner, I felt briefly relieved. I was back under the street lamps, which by now had flicked on. Only three or four short blocks until I was at the church. I glanced back once more to reassure myself that I had worried for no reason, expecting to see nothing. By now, the man should be completely out of my view. Instead, I felt the pit of dread in my stomach turn to acidic fear when I realized that the man was in fact halfway across the park now, walking in my direction. I immediately crossed to the other side of the street and began walking faster. At this point, I could feel the adrenaline rushing through me. I didn't have any real words or images to describe what I thought would happen to me. Just a jumble of snippets of news reports and vague fears about what happens to young girls out alone at night. I was still trying to convince myself that it could just have been a coincidence. The man could just be walking in the same direction. After another block, as I approached the next corner, I looked back again. The man had reached the edge of the park, and instead of walking straight ahead, he too had crossed the street to my side. Even worse, it seemed like he had closed some of the distance between us, and, to my eyes at least, it seemed like he was walking faster. I immediately felt my terror increase. At this point, I was convinced he was a predator, and I had made myself easy prey. I still had two and a half blocks until I reached the church, but at this point I was wondering whether I would ever make it to the lock-in. I glanced back at the man once more, and he had enclosed the gap even further with his longer legs. I still couldn't clearly see his face, but I had seen enough. I turned around and started all out running up the street. My backpack thumped against my back, my heart racing, my breath turned shallow. I ran all the way to the church parking lot before I looked back again. By the time I did, the man was gone. To this day, I have no idea if that man was after me or if he just thought I was some weird kid running down the street at dusk. Frankly, I'm glad I never had to find out one way or the other. I feel lucky these encounters all occurred in public places. For reference, I'm a 24-year-old female, and I have freckles and naturally red hair, and I'm about 5'7". The first time this man, who appeared to be about my same age and height, approached me while I was in a popular downtown bar with my best friend. I saw this man approach, and I was not interested, so as not to lead him on, I kept my responses short. The conversation went as follows. His intro line was, You have so many freckles. They are in such random places. Me. That is how freckles work. Him. That is how you know you are a real redhead. I was creeped the fuck out already at this point. Me. I am well aware. <laughs> he lingered to ask a couple more pointless questions until my friend and I managed to get away. My friend and I ended up going to a bar across the street a little later in the night. We had settled into the new bar and were a little drunker, and my friend went to the bathroom, leaving me at a high-top table against the wall. The same man appeared out of nowhere to my left and put one arm against my table and the other against the wall, so I had nowhere to go, saying to me, you're the redhead from before. Fellas, never physically trap a girl you were trying to hit on. I was extremely uncomfortable, but I figured my friend would be back soon and would be able to help me out of the situation without causing a scene. He asked me several awkward questions. Meanwhile, I had secretly texted my friend to hurry back to save me from this creepy guy. He then asks... Take a picture with me. And I said, uh, why? 
for the memories. I was still trapped, and I was hoping that if I complied, he would leave me alone. So I let him take a picture of us while I was smiling a fake hostage smile. My friend had reappeared but was standing by the bar and not approaching the table. I pretended to be drunker than I was and rushed over to her gushing. Oh my God, you're back. Let's go dance. And I dragged her away to explain the situation. Fast forward a week. My next encounter with this man was at a completely different and very busy bar with different female friends of mine. I was having a good time and suddenly I looked to my left and this man was, and I kid you not, was running in my direction, phone outstretched with a picture he forced me to take with him on the screen. I had had enough and I was done being polite to save his feelings as I sat there scared. I told him, leave me alone, you creep me out. He venomously replies, well you're an ugly bitch anyways. My friends catch wind, something is going on, and as he walks away, they offer to protect me if needed. For months I thought it was my last interaction with this man. God, I was wrong. I had taken it as a warning, an example of how men's demeanor can change once they have been rejected, and it was chilling. Seven months later, I had forgotten about the prior encounters, and I was casually browsing a drugstore makeup display at night right after the gym. I was looking down at a product when my spidey senses started going off. Someone was standing on the other side of the display and staring at me in my periphery. I look up and a man was two feet in front of me. I did not yet realize it, but it was the same man. He asked me if the drugstore we were in sold chapstick. It is a drugstore. Everyone, without fail, sells chapstick. Taken aback, my initial thought was that he assumed I was an employee and replied, Um, I don't work here. He smiled a slow smile, maintained eye contact and said, Okay. We both continued shopping until he returned to another makeup aisle I was at in the store. He said, I think I've met you before. I told him I didn't believe we had as I truly didn't remember him yet. He began to ask me questions that every girl my age in my city would answer yes to. Have you ever been downtown before? Well, yeah, everyone has. But like, every weekend. No, not every single weekend. No, but last summer, with girls. At this point, I was getting a very bad feeling in my stomach. Everything about his body language, demeanor, and the things he was saying felt off. And he was staring. He insisted two more times we had met and would not let it go. So I suggested, Lots of people confuse me with other redheads they've met before. I'm sorry, I don't remember meeting you. He stared at me and after a moment slowly said, No, I know the redhead I spoke to. I began walking to the register and he followed. As I walked, It finally clicked who it was, and I was afraid. His social unawareness and weird questions made me sure it was him. I played it cool until I had paid for my items and I was leaving the store. I didn't look back, but I knew he had items to pay for before he could follow. So as soon as I was out of the door, I sprinted for my car. I got in, locked it, and sat for a moment stunned as I processed what had just happened. I came to my senses quickly, and I drove to the parking lot exit. I looked back, and he was just outside the doors of the pharmacy, his head looking back and forth across the dark parking lot for me. I know he saw my car leaving the parking lot, and since it was at night, few people were at the pharmacy, so it was clearly me leaving. I took note of the car he was walking to, and I decided to take an extra long route home to ensure I wasn't being followed. 
This route led through a wealthy neighborhood at the far east end of my city, so there is nothing that way aside from high-end homes. I looped through the roundabout in this neighborhood and saw a car matching his driving straight through. There was no way to know if it was his, however, it was chilling. There was no sign of his car after that. A couple weekends later was my final encounter. It was St. Patty's Day and the bars downtown were as packed as I had ever seen them. I was in the same bar he had first approached me months before, alone as I was waiting for friends to get through security. He rushed up to me from the crowd. He said, Hey, I know you from, insert name of pharmacy here. I had to assertively tell him to leave me alone multiple times. He kept asking, why? Do you have a boyfriend? I responded again saying, None of your business. Leave me the fuck alone. It is interesting how some men only seem to take another man's claim to a woman as a no, and not a woman's obvious and direct disinterest. To this day, another seven months later, that was the last I saw of him. I am lucky these encounters were in public, they could easily have turned violent otherwise. I wrote this hoping to show other women being assertive and at times rude is completely okay and necessary to protect yourself. Some men do not take no for an answer easily. To this day, it baffles me why he would try so hard to make me remember him after he called me an ugly bitch. Anyways, stay vigilant, ladies. The creepy guy I dated is a murderer. As a teenager, I waited tables in a local restaurant to pay for the gas for my car. I met Mr. Creep there. In my naive mind, he seemed normal at first, despite the fact that he was 20 and wanted to date a 17-year-old. Leaving my job after dark scared me, so I taught myself to get in my car, shut the door, and lock it in one fluid motion. It made me feel safe. One night I was leaving work and had just gotten into my car when Mr. Creep seemed to just appear out of nowhere, yanking my door handle to try to open it. I looked into his eyes in the split second before he smiled and what I saw absolutely chilled my bones. I don't know how to describe the evil I saw. From then on I was terrified of him but I didn't let on because I was afraid of what he might do if I told him I never wanted to see him again. After this, he constantly lied to try to impress me and tried to invent ways of being alone with me. But my instinct was to run, so I avoided him. About two weeks after this incident, the restaurant got robbed and there was significant evidence against Mr. Creep just not the kind that allowed the cops to charge him. I sent all of my text conversations with Mr. Creep to the police chief in hopes it would help. Mr. Creep slithered away after that, but I always looked over my shoulder. About five years ago, he messaged me on Facebook out of the blue. He went on about his top-secret military clearance, as well as a huge acreage he owned. It made me nervous, and I felt like he was trying to spring a trap or something, but I tried to put it out of my mind. Then, today, I was looking at posts about an unsolved murder when I saw his mugshot. He is now facing murder charges as well as two other violent felony charges. I am so glad to know he's locked up, but so overwhelmed about how correct my instincts about Mr. Creep were. I feel like I escaped him. Thank you for listening to my creepy encounter. And that, dear listeners, brings it close to these true creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed the collection. In the meantime, please... Look after yourselves. 
I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.